Moon Pig. Hello world and welcome to the Moon Pig Tech Podcast. I am Jacob, your host today. And today I have with me Jasper and Rob, two of our product managers. So Moonpig is one of the leading online personal gift flowers and card retailers. And in order to maintain this position, we need to continuously improve our products and our service. So today, Jasper and Rob will talk a bit about how we A-B test, what A-B testing is, and how it helps us build the right products and build the right features for our customer. So we're going to start with Jasper. Can you do a hey. quick introduction? How's it going? Uh, so my name's Jasper. I am the product manager of the Moonpig Apps team. I've been with Moonpig for a little over two years, so I guess that makes me an old timer now. Um, and I manage everything from the iOS team and the Android team from planning through to feature delivery. Um, and A-B testing is quite a large part of what we're doing. We're always trying to validate that what we're doing is the right thing. So yeah, it should be an interesting discussion. Very nice. Rob, you want to say hello? Hi, I'm Rob. Uh, I'm also a product manager at uh, Moonpig. I work predominantly on the websites on a few different things. Um, I did previously work on the apps, but um, yeah, again, I've been here for two and a half years like Jasper. Uh, and in that time, I've had the opportunity to work on lots of different fun stuff. Um, and I'm very excited to talk about A-B testing. Awesome. So can you start us off and give a quick explanation of what A-B testing is for listeners who don't know that yet? Would you like to have a go, Jasper? Oh, I will. <laughs> uh, so A-B testing is essentially when you are in its, in its most simplest form comparing two things to understand which does better. Uh, and that's, that's it in a nutshell. But it comes back to um, in science when you have a hypothesis and the act of running an experiment is in order to disprove that hypothesis. So it's really a scientific method for understanding what is better, basically. And we use that when we're coming up with features and looking at what the best thing is to try and optimize the outcome for the customer. So we'll run multiple variations of a feature or a button or text. Um, the options are endless. It's just about changing one variable against a control. So uh, something where we don't change anything. And we'll run that test until we are able to tell with scientific accuracy that one thing is significant and we'll declare that the winner. So that is essentially it in a nutshell. So I think that was already quite interesting. So like the the possibilities are like kind of endless of, mm. of what you could test or like different ways of testing. So I guess, Rob, the question is like, how do you pick what you, what you want to test? That's a great question. So um, A-B testing as Jasper said, is uh, a scientific method. Um, and a lot of the uh, techniques that we use to decide what we're going to build um, at a strategic level um, are fairly scientific. So um, A-B testing is a scientific method that we apply, um, but the method overall that we use is um, an experimental one. So um, as, as with any... Um, researcher or any scientist throughout history um, when we come up with a hypothesis we want to be able to prove it to um, understand its value understand it's correct so we can make sure that the changes we're making are positive um, so the way we design products if we have a lean methodology as we do here um, it's to build things measure things and learn from those things so that's the sort of cycle that we go through to build anything um, but what we build and whether we do a b testing that's when the art element of it sort of comes in so um, 
a lot of it's looking at numbers, but it's looking at numbers and using your intuition to decide whether this change is something that's worth testing. And there's a few different factors that go into that. It's um, what's our product strategy. So ultimately, the long term, what are we trying to do? Um, what's the most important thing that we're trying to achieve? Um, and what within that goal of trying to achieve something, so doubling the amount of money we make on the apps, um, how important is this particular step or this particular feature that we're building in service of that? How big is the change? How much effort are we going to put into that? Um, and what is our ability to test it because a lot of people don't have the luxury of A-B testing, us being one of the biggest e-commerce retailers in the UK, have the luxury of traffic which means we can make a small change and see a statistically significant difference um, in uh, in two different variants of a, a very small change so yeah. you know, the way we change gallery pages could be tested. Yeah. And you also just said like you, you need to a certain degree have the luxury in traffic to see that what you're testing um, is beneficial or is actually like um, worse than your control group. Yeah. And Jasper is working on the apps teams, which mm -hmm. are of course smaller compared to web and mobile web. Mm -hmm. So the question that now comes up is kind of like, if I have lower traffic, how do I test the right way? How can I find tests that are significant and meaningful if my fluctuation on like daily active users, et cetera, is relatively high? Yeah, I think that's that's a really good point because when you read articles online about you know growth hacking and conversion rate optimization, they talk a lot about successes people like Amazon have had with just changing the color and size and copy of a button can deliver 50 billion pounds of incremental revenue. I mean, you, ha you have to be sensible. Unfortunately, uh, I'm not the product manager of Amazon. Um, we, we, we are a much smaller um, size, and that means that it takes longer to see the statistical um, significance of a change you make. So when you're coming up with um, what features the test, as Rob alluded to, there's like a prioritization you'll look at, and that's around um, sort of how much uh, impact that's going to have, uh, what confidence you have, and what the effort of doing that will be. But there's also another lens you can apply to that, which is the reach. Um, and this is one of the things that can help you understand which one you should test and whether something's worth just rolling out or testing or not. Because ultimately, if you're testing something on a page that only maybe 10% of your traffic ever goes to, it's going to take a really long time because the reach is really low. So that's a lens we put on our ideas to understand, actually, is this something that we can ever prove significance from? Because as Rob said, there's an element of art to it. It's not all science. There's a lot of gut feel sometimes about whether something should be done or shouldn't be done, whether it should be tested or whether it should just be rolled out. That's that's where it starts to get a bit more tricky and you just have to sort of use your strong judgment to that point. How do you, how do you build the judgment to make the right decisions? It's, is it literally trial and error or do you, you know, harvest kind of experience from other people who have been doing it before? You do it really badly for a long time. <laughs> it helps. Uh, no, so, I mean, that's what we've got a team for. Uh, the best product development teams I've worked in, um, including some here. Um, and I'm not just saying that because Richard sat next to me. Um, are ones where everybody's engaged. If you're an engineer, if you're a designer, you would have 
if you're someone that uses and interacts with the product every day, you will have a strong feeling over how customers use it, how things are built, um, and generally what you could expect if you make changes. Because like, okay, maybe I've only worked here for two years, but if I'm in a team full of people that have worked here collectively for 10 years, if you add it all up back to back, um, that's a lot of collective knowledge that's seen things that have worked and things that haven't worked. Um, so experience is one. Um, finding a way to make the initial tests you do so small that it's low risk if it does go wrong helps a lot because mm -hmm. making a small mistake is a lot easier than making a big mistake. Um, there's an art, as Jasper um, and myself keep alluding to each other, uh, there's an art to um, how you set up the test as well. Like what metric you're looking to change initially can be can be varied. Okay, I wanna see revenue go up ultimately at the end of the year. Um, but if I'm building a giant feature in really small chunks, which is the way I need to do it, um, maybe the first few tests I'm just looking to see if people are gonna engage with this new feature. Maybe the feature isn't finished off enough to double the company's revenue, but maybe I can get signals by doing small compartmentalized tests to prove I'm going in the right direction in hopes that in the long term I've built the right mm -hmm. thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense because, but also like something that comes to mind is, um, you said, breaking something small is easier than you know making a big mistake yes but it also kind of like you have to i guess balance it with the whole like you know fail fast mm -hmm. mindset of, mm. of just pushing things and see if they work or not Absolutely. and i think that's one of the places where a lot of people who are not in large setup organizations i'll use amazon as an example again they're very much in optimization worlds where they have a pretty well set out set of features and they're optimizing for small incremental changes. Whereas when you're building a new product, uh, that fail fast loop, you might think, well, I want to build a new way for someone to customize a card in our example. That's a huge feature. And if you invest all your time in building that feature, and maybe it's a new way for someone to upload photos, you build it and get it out there and run it as an A-B test. The problem you might have is that no one uses it because the first thing you didn't do was understand whether there's any demand for it. As Rob said, the first thing you might look at is just interaction with the feature. And I think that's one of the things that people miss a lot of the times because you are building something new. You're understanding whether people want it before you're understanding whether it actually impacts your, um, your sort of North Star metrics around frequency or revenue. Uh, what, what is your North Star metric? So Moonpig are focused on a uh, number of high value customers. Um, we are just trying to grow that number, um, basically. And that's through uh, looking at AOV, uh, sort of the average order value, looking at frequency and looking at um, conversion rate in sessions. So, uh, so I guess it kind of means your, your North Star metric is kind of the goal that every team tries to kind mm -hmm. of Correct. pull towards or like grow in that direction. Yeah. Um, so what both of you have mentioned quite a lot is like, if you make a test, you need to kind of find the right parameter that you hope it's going to impact, hopefully positive. Yep. So I guess that comes with the prerequisite that you need to have tracking in place. Correct. Right. So kind of like what, what do you think is like your minimal amount of tracking or like how, how do you kind of get started? If I can't go from, oh, I have no tracking to doing A-B testing because I'm like I'm kind of missing my basics, I guess. I, I guess you would start by asking what you're trying to prove. Am I trying to prove that, and starting from the top, as Jasper says, it's um, high level metrics like overall site conversion rate. 
AOV, all of these things can be sent in one or two events if you're using J or something like that. Like a sites conversion, right? Okay, ideally I'd wanna know every single step in between from page to page to page to see where customers are dropping out and construct some really interesting models about how people are behaving. But ultimately I just need to know how many people landed on the site and how many people got to the end. Um, and if I divide one by the other, I have conversion rate. I have one of the key metrics an e-commerce business is gonna look at and you should be able to with that did they purchase on that last page event that you kick? You should be able to send a send a, an order amount. Um, and once you get really advanced and really big, um, you can start to get into the level of detail of, okay, what did people buy? What category did those products fall into? But ultimately, you should be able to pull out those headline metrics um, fairly easily. Um, the big problem people fall into is that it's like the it's like an XKCD comic or something with the it's like a cart with square wheels where I don't have time to fix the thing. The biggest problem is a cultural one. Ultimately, it's never going to take that long to build something like an integration with Optimize your GA look for tracking. It's what the emphasis is on testing within the organization because it is ultimately it's faster for us to build the thing rather than build and test the thing and then wait two weeks to see if the test was right. Like we've run tests where actually setting the test up took longer than the actual code change. So there is an argument to say the way to, the way to fail fastest is to just to just build the thing and get out the door. But you don't even know if you failed, or more importantly, you don't even know if you succeeded yeah. if you didn't put measures around it. So exactly, and they don't even know if, if users like it or not, if they so just go like, well. It's not failing fast, it's doing things fast. <laughs> and like, what are we doing? Not, it can be much more scientific than that. Yeah, so what kind of like, how, how do you iterate on when you actually fail? Because yeah, good, you do something and it goes nicely and you go like, oh yeah, cool, we, we built this and it actually helped the user and that's what we wanted mm. to see. But what if you build something and you actually realize, well, that negatively impacted my metric, right? Shall I go? Go for it. Um, well, we're really fortunate here at Moonpig to work with some very talented data analysts who, um, really help us when when it goes well or goes badly because the most important thing as as rob alluded to is actually learning from the tests you run it's it's one thing to say i did a thing and it made the money go up but if you aren't understanding the reasons why that made the money go up or conversion or whatever the metric is you're striving for you haven't learned anything you haven't um you haven't actually progressed. You've made more money, but actually the learnings you can take from one test could probably be used to inform another test and give you more confidence. It, it feeds into that learning you have around product and the user behavior. I so completely agree. That's one of the biggest problems we've had with testing here is um, we've got actually pretty good at setting up tests, running them and monitoring them, um, but we are still quite bad at documenting and sharing learnings from those tests so that yeah. people aren't running the same test on their own part of the part of the product I, I think to me it's like quite interesting because if, if you listen to this it kind of for me as a software that comes back to the agile mindset right mm. you can you can try something in like short bursts but if you if you don't iterate on them if you don't actually do in that sense like mm. retrospectives and try to learn from them and then try to feed the learning back into your team mm -hmm. then you lose quite a lot of kind of what you could achieve. Absolutely. Um, so that's definitely quite interesting. Um, one thing that I find interesting is kind of the frequency in which our users come to the website. Mm -hmm. So we always say we have roughly like a three month frequency. So users buy roughly like three times a year on Moonpeak, some or four times a year, something, something in that area. Um, 
So how do we make sure if, if people don't use our product in double quotes that often that we can get a clear picture of user behavior, especially when we say we want to drive high value customers? So Moonbig's uh, fortunate to be a mass market brand. We, we tend to have quite a large coverage of the UK market at least. Um, You're going to take the retention question, Jasper? Uh, which I'll let, I'll let Rob fill in. No, no, he's, he's, he's dying. No, it's fine, it's fine. I've got nothing it. left to say about retention. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, we're, we're a mass market brand. We, we've got a lot of coverage in the UK that really, if you are looking at just one niche of users, uh, maybe that's what your product is. Um, that's not necessarily the same case that we're in. So. Really, we have a broad diversity of users at, on the site and apps at any one point in time. It gives a good representation of the entire population when you're making those changes, even if it is a user that's coming in February and a user that's coming in, I don't know, June. Um, it, it's likely that you'll get enough for, sort of variance in that population size that you'll have a lot of similarities there. Um, but I can tell Rob's itching to add to that. So No, I think you covered it comprehensively, <laughs> but I'll take a stab. Um, <laughs> Uh, so when I worked as the retention product manager, um, when we looked at frequency, um, particularly related to A-B testing, um, we found things quite difficult. Um, given our frequency of around three months um, and given the fact that uh, A-B testing requires you to have two versions of the site essentially running in parallel um, where you're trying to figure out how this one change causes customer behaviors to be different. and it's quite difficult to run lots of those tests because you either need to cut, so if I want to run two tests instead of splitting things 50-50, I now need to split things into 25% chunks. Mm -hmm. um, or I need to isolate it so that only certain parts of the site are being tested on at any one time. So running long-lived tests, running tests for more than, so we run tests usually for two to four weeks given our traffic and if it's a decent size change. Um, running something that for long enough that proves a change uh, has been caused to that three month frequency number can be really difficult. So um, the way we address that is to look for sort of proxy metrics. And what we mean by that is sort of looking into a little bit more detail of our, our best customers or our people that are behaving in a healthy way. Um, what things do they do? What features do they interact with? What things do they buy? Um, and let's start to figure out, okay, if uh, you know 10% more people buy, say, flowers, and we know it's less, for the sake of argument, say, um, flowers are the high frequency thing, if, if we can understand that there's a causative link between those two, mm -hmm. um, maybe we can then say, okay, in a two week period, can we increase the number of people that buy flowers yeah. versus um, the three month frequency? So we call them leading metrics. So use those as the metrics that matter in your A B tests. Um, we've found to be quite helpful for us. Yeah. That's quite interesting. Um, Thank you. <laughs> uh, one thing like that came up over and over again is like we said oh you build a hypothesis you you are data driven you try to tackle this actually in a scientific way and not just go like mm, yeah maybe you're not better or worse <laughs> um, which I think can be quite intimidating to people who haven't done A-B testing before and kind of like want to take a step in this direction because they know it will help them so what would be interesting I think is kind of like what are your recommendations? If, if, if you could go back to Rob and Jasper that haven't done A-B testing before, what would be like your advice on do's and don'ts? I guess the first question would be back at you and say, what, why do you find it intimidating? Well, 
I'm not really good at maths. So if someone comes along and says like, yeah, I need one of our senior software engineers. Yeah, but that has nothing to do. Does it have to do with maths? I'm, I'm not so sure. Well, Android is just like building PowerPoint presentations. Yeah, exactly. It's right? pretty much what it is, right? I, 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 I just <laughs> click and drag widgets onto a screen. <laughs> uh, but it's a whole new set of language, right? Is that why it's intimidating? It's like a new framework. That we've not yeah, like in, how can I, because we work in our team, of course, quite closely with our data analyst. And he's really good at figuring out like from one point, uh, which point onwards, how long do we need to run a test? When yeah. does it become um, statistic statistically significant, sure. right? But if I don't have this kind of tool set, mm. then wh what's my first step into this world? The first step? I guess not, oh, I'm sorry. Um, so the first step, great question. Um, I mean, finding someone that knows how it works is very useful because it's a, it's very much a practical tool versus a theoretical framework. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't need to know like what an appropriate level of sensitivity is for decent um, a, a, a decent sized test or feature, um, or how to predict um, the length of time a test will need to run for. Um, there are specialist people and specialist softwares that help you do that. Um, if you don't have the luxury of working in an organization where that's possible, um, you might have to go a bit deeper on the knowledge. Like you might have to um, go to some meetups, read some books, actually get down and dirty into the tools yourself. And if, if that interests you and you think it's valuable, I highly recommend doing that. But um, if your company is at a certain scale and culturally you think A-B testing is important, um, there should be specialist people that dedicate their time to doing this. Um, and we have those here. So my recommendation to say someone like you who's just joined and is interested in this and sees it as useful um, is go and find the people whose specialist job is to do this um, and learn from them, but more importantly, trust them. Like, you realize where you fit in in a product development team. You've, you've got great knowledge over the technical estate uh, and you've got great ideas. So you need to know how to interact with these people and need to understand their language rather than understand exactly the details of their work. So knowing the basics, knowing what A-B testing means, what statistical significance means, what sensitivity means, like a 10 minute Googling can mm. stop you being scared of the language. And from that, just going with the flow of a team that knows how to do it and just bringing excitement and energy has been really useful. Um, we've got a team right now where I don't think any of us would claim to be like statisticians or like maths experts, but we're all just really engaged in trying to make the product better. And A-B testing is just another tool that we use to do that. So just not being scared of it, I guess, helps. And it doesn't have to be that complicated. I mean, we've, we've run A-B tests before where, I mean, constructing a hypothesis is saying that if I change something or I do something, it will result in a certain outcome. So we've, we've run tests where we've said, if we change the uh, subject line of this email to this, uh, it will result in more opens. And you have two different emails, you send them to two different groups of people, and you just look at the total number of people who open both. I mean, that doesn't take a statistician to work out, it's just which number is bigger. I mean, A-B tests can be as complex as understanding uh, a six-month cohort of users who signed up to a loyalty scheme, and that's definitely the complicated problem that they're trying to solve in the retention team. But it can be as easy as which email uh, subject line has a higher open rate. It, it can be anywhere in between those two things. So I don't think it needs to be um, something that's intimidating because you can have it as simple or as complex as you really like or need. All right. I think that was definitely helpful. Um, I guess we're going to leave it at this for now.
-hmm. I want to finish by asking each of you a question. Jasper, mm -hmm. beaches or mountains? Mountains, every day of the week, mountains. Very nice. Rob, snakes or spiders? Mm, snakes. Nice. Well, this was it for our <laughs> episode on yeah. A-B testing. <laughs> um, thank you very much for Justin Rob for taking the time and sharing their knowledge with oh, us. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you very much to the listener, to you, taking your time to listen to the three of us. I hope we're going to hear you soon. Bye-bye. Goodbye, world. Moon pig. <laughs>